Listen, everyone, some point in their lives gets stuck in a rut. It does not matter what it is. It could be your job. It could be your relationship. It could be even a hobby, something that you love to do. We get into this place where you're doing something. Let's, let's use work as an example. And you appreciate your job. It pays the mortgage, right? But it gets into this cycle where you feel like, should I be here? Do I want to be here? How can I make things so much more exciting? And I'm just not feeling it today. And talking about feelings, uh, we can't always give in to our feelings, but that's that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we get stuck in this rut and we want to take a look or consider how do we get ourselves? How do we find our creativity? How do we find our vitality? How do we do something that does not drain our energy? How do we do that? Hello, my name is Anne-Marie, host of About This Life. Today, I am honored and appreciative to have as my guest, Madeline. Madeline is retired from a 30-year career in the finance industry. Already, I have a visual because um, <laughs> finance is a very specific, <laughs> a very specific thing and don't mess with somebody's money. But I am curious because let me go on with this bio because finance industry, including lending, construction, insurance and marketing. Listen, I said Madeline. So I'm thinking that's a male dominated field, right? But I'm talking to Madeline as a woman in this industry. I can't wait to talk to you. She has two degrees in theater arts. Yay. And an <laughs> MBA in finance and marketing. She's found happiness in life through music, teaching, writing, art, and proving the limits placed on her as a child were wrong. She retired early to find her true self again and is enjoying the blessing of setting her own goals, boundaries, and projects. And some days just enjoying the peace in a full day of only answering to herself. I could go on and say about her competitiveness in singing. She has a food blog and Madeline, I'll ask you to share some information at the end. And now you're doing a podcast, your own podcast about creativity. All of these words in here, oh my goodness, where do I start? Well, first, let me start with what I just found out. Where you, you live on an island? <laughs> I live on an island. <laughs> I do. Um, what do you mean, Madeline? It's an island in the Niagara River, just south of Niagara Falls. So if we have an if we have an earthquake someday, it may shake loose and go right over the falls. But I'm going to hope that that doesn't happen. <laughs> oh my goodness! We won't say that. We won't claim that. But I am just intrigued that you live on an island. What is it? Is it cold most of the yeah. year? Yeah. It's an interesting place, um, which we just moved here a year and a half ago. Um, uh -huh. 
I knew I was going to be retiring once I moved here. Um, my company let me work remote, but it just wasn't working for me. So I gave my notice. But um, it's an interesting location. We're in the middle of a bunch of crosswinds. So while this past winter, one of the storms um, dumped seven feet of snow about 20 minutes south of uh, us, we had about 18 inches. So, 18 inches. And the wind is so heavy that over the Christmas holiday, when we had about five and a half feet of snow in Buffalo, which is just across the bridge for us, um, we could see our grass because the wind blew all the lawn free of snow. It cleared all of our walkways and all around our car but we just had big, huge drifts against the house. So it's not a bad, it's not a bad place weather-wise, but it is very windy. I will say that. Oh my goodness. I, I, my hat's off to you because <laughs> you had me at three feet, five feet of snow. <laughs> I'm a Caribbean girl, Madeline. <laughs> no, it is, oh. it is nice. It's very, um, you know, if people don't like the cold, a lot of people go south for the winter from here. But the summer's and south, beautiful. And south is what, Maine or? <laughs> no, no, Maine was worse. Believe it or not, I, I moved here from the Boston area and they had a much worse winter than we did as far as cold and ice and all that. Okay. So I was just intrigued in terms of your location because I find it fascinating to find out who people are. We make assumptions about people, and it's a beautiful thing to listen. In reading your bio, Madeline, I see a combination of finance in a non-traditional uh, industry for a woman, as well as with the creativity. Even though we're going to certainly focus on creativity, I would like you to share your experience being in finance, uh, dealing with lending, construction, and insurance. What was that like for you? Um, it was a mixed blessing, <laughs> I would say. Um, I took a job as a teller while I was looking for another job when I got out of school and um, worked for family for a few years. And then I needed to make money to buy a car and lived at home with my parents. And so I took a part-time job as a teller, but I actually was pretty good at it. And I slowly started to get higher level positions and from the teller went to being mortgage processor and then started approving loans and being in charge of the department and setting up training for our salespeople and it just went on from there. I was just good at the job and it wasn't what I loved, but I loved being good at something. So I stayed there and um, yeah, the money was good. Even during like, you know, the financial crashes and all, it always seemed that there would be something else that would land in my lap and I took advantage of it. And all the while I was doing that, I was singing. So I had that creative outlet while I was doing the finance um, work. And I also discovered that, like you said, it is was definitely a male-dominated world, and it, it still is to some extent, um, but I found creativity in it, so it, it served me well. Um, I would say trying to fit into a button-down, you know, good old boys network type of place, it was a challenge, and doing it creatively helped me. It was the difference between being someone who approves mortgages, say, for an example, 
um, or visits a construction site and you've got the guys out on the construction sites in their suits and a hard hat. And I was out there wearing a dress and I had a hard mm. hat and I'm like, I'm going to climb up on this ladder and inspect something. And people were just caught off guard. So you got to hear stories and information that perhaps the men wouldn't have heard. So I had a different perspective on projects, knew if a project was going south fast or whether it was actually going to be a successful project. Um, so it helped me do the job as being a woman and being a creative person. That was a big help. You mentioned in terms of having a different perspective that you were able to bring to the job. That perspective in terms of listening, in terms of um, tapping into what's going on at the construction site, did you find that people underestimated you? Always. <laughs> That's kind of been a common thread through my life, but they would look and say at the time when I was doing that work, I had a bachelor's degree in theater arts performance, English literature and technical theater. So somebody in a bank was not looking at me thinking I could do anything that I would understand the, the financial end of anything. So in some ways I heard more because they figured I wasn't really listening. And mm. they <laughs> so I'm thinking about our listeners who are, are hearing your words, the understanding that maybe the element of surprise. So if we shifted our mindset a little bit, instead of thinking about how unjust and unfair it is, think about it in terms of an element of surprise that they're not expecting this out of me. And right. I'm going to show them and sort of like, watch me do this thing. It's like your secret superpower. They don't secret know. superpower. <laughs> yes, they don't know. And then they find out and a boy <laughs> or boy, and it doesn't hurt to get paid for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to be paid well. And then we move into this dual degree. So I heard theater arts, I, you know, I heard literature. I hear that you sing, you like art. Uh, all of these creative things are coming out of you. Uh, why? <laughs> why? Because some people would say, hmm, where is the place in life for that, right? So explain it to me. I, why well, is that I, important? I would say since the time I was very little, I had a lot of physical disabilities. And so I was um, limited with my ability to walk and to interact with other people. And um, so that's where the initial boundaries were set. Doctors were telling my parents not to take me home, that I would never be able to live a full life, that I'd be in a wheelchair by the time I was 18. And hearing all of these things, in my mind, I thought, I'll show them. And so I kept on working at these things. And in the meantime, because of the limitations, I couldn't really participate in sports and I couldn't um, do a lot of things that other kids were doing. So I read a lot and I was, I loved art and music. Um, and then when I went to college, that was kind of where I found, I, I, as I, I say, sometimes you find your people, you find your tribe that you connect to, that understand you, that love you for who you are. And you kind of stay with those people. So I'm still in touch with all the theater students that I worked with in undergraduate 
40 plus years ago, we still chat on the phone and get together occasionally, but they're kind of like your other family. It's that group of people that are there for you when life doesn't provide what you think it's going to provide. And to me, that was why I stayed in that creative zone as my, as my comfort place. Even if I was working at a job where I was underappreciated or I constantly had to fight barriers and you know, so I said, my life is not about my job. My I don't identify through my career. I'm good at it. They have to pay me. I'm doing my work, but I'm going to find recognition and and home other than, than in my career. So Madeline, what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, you began with physical adversity. And I didn't even have to separate it into physical because the physical is linked so much to the mental mm -hmm. that you have defied the odds and challenged the odds in more than one way. I'm hearing a, a, a victory, a, a, a praise in your testimony because the adversity, again, people counted you out as a child. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know put uh, put in that way the adversity that you face and being told okay this is your somebody proclaiming your life is set for a wheelchair and having to work through that adversity talk a little bit more about what it's like to be in a tribe of people who get you because perhaps that is one of the resilient factors that help us um, overcome, overcome when we have a rut in our lives is the people that gets you. So talk about your tribe and what that meant to you to have to be in a tribe that supported you. To me, you have in, in life, you have that core group of people. It, it's a network that you hopefully build when you're younger. Some people don't. They fight against things. They are very negative on themselves and they look towards nothing. They see nothing in their life that's positive. But if you strive for that and you seek it out, you find these people who, you know, you identify with them. You can empathize with them. And I think that empathy um, is a big piece of it. Um, and it also helps you to expand that network or that tribe. So those people, if you're having, you know, if you're discouraged or you have a failure that comes along, you go to those people, wherever they are, they don't need to be nearby, write them a letter. I mean, when I was younger, it was writing letters. We didn't have the internet. So yes. <laughs> you couldn't do that. And a phone call cost a lot of money if they lived in another state, but you know, you stayed in touch with those people and you were there for them and they're there for you. And life happens, you know, people pass away unexpectedly, you lose a job unexpectedly, um, you file bankruptcy, I mean, there's all kinds of terrible things that can happen. And you have to find a way through. If you're, if mm -hmm. you have a positive inner spirit, your, your goal is to find a way through not to, to sit there and wallow in the badness, but to find your way through that badness, because you know, you're better than that. And that tribe knows you're better than that, too. So that's where that that comes in to help you through those difficult times. And there are also people who understand that you may change during your life and they still love you for who you are at the at the deepest core. They still are there and they love you no matter what you choose. 
whether you started out as their theater friend and, and then all of a sudden you were in finance and they're calling you asking you about a mortgage <laughs> and you know you're you're singing and they're like hey you know can I do you know anybody here that's saying I mean I think it's just those people that are kindred spirits that you that you connect to and you love them too for for whoever they are when wherever they are in their life you don't you don't give up on them so you don't give up on the people in your life and you find a way through Hey, Madeline, what kind of art? There's Because there's visual art, there, there's, um, you know, quilting, there's, um, what kind of art? <laughs> well, <laughs> I do, a, I was a costume designer for a while and I didn't do sewing in school, but I had a friend that owned a theater and I went to work there for a summer and, you know, just took over a costume designing position and learned, taught myself to sew. So I did some sewing, but not quilting. Um, but clothing design and, you know, coming up with my own ideas for for making things like recycling things. So taking I'm right now doing a project where I'm taking vintage pillowcases and turning them into summer tops. <laughs> so something like that. Um, and then I also draw and paint. Um, I do watercolor. I used to do a lot of acrylic work and pen and ink. Um, so, yeah, that kind of art, not so much dimensional art like sculpture I don't really do I'm terrible at making pots they turn into plates every time um so it's not that type but more um and paint I love to just paint rooms like I'm this room you'll see there's purple tape along the ceiling because I uh -huh. haven't finished painting this room yet so everything around me is in boxes and pulled in together so I can finish this room um and kind of do I do wall art like murals and splatter painting on walls and then like glue things on them and make three-dimensional wall decorations. My last house had silk leaves glued all along the living room ceiling, um, mm -hmm. which one of my relatives was, couldn't understand why I would do something like that, but I liked it. It was something Well, you have to understand the theater and drama. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand Shakespeare and all this Wilson, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and how that works, and I'm getting ready to say, do you share your art? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I do. Actually, I was just talking with some friends the other day about a condo I had. And I was in the at a time in my life where I had left one circle of friends and was in the process of building a new circle because that last circle of friends kind of closed me out, broken relationships and things. And it was just not a good time. But so I bought a condo and I was by myself with my dog and I painted a kitchen bright yellow and then took brushes and paints and stuff and splattered turquoise and yellow and um, white and green all over that yellow wall. And it was at night when I painted because I worked during the day and I had my lines, my um, sliders open out onto my deck. And all these little kids were sitting on the lawn outside watching me paint. <laughs> so then for a few months afterwards, people would ring on my doorbell and there'd be a mother with a little kid saying, can we come and look at your kitchen? Because everybody wanted to come in and see the painting that I had done in my kitchen. And so I let them all come in. <laughs> you, you know, it, it sounds, it, this, this is, my brain works differently, Madeline, because I think <laughs> about that and I think about things like healing. 
Yes. And I, and I think about like painting and then splattering your kitchen and making it a kaleidoscope of colors. And I think that's the kind of thing you do um, when you're getting over someone. <laughs> exactly. Or, or when you 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 getting over that job you just lost and you want to create something and and okay, we we're going to make beauty out mm -hmm. of ashes, you know? So that's what came up in my spirit <laughs> yeah it's just so it's, it's such a release of energy or you know there's no sometimes there's no path for what you have inside there's no way to mm -hmm. put words to it and for me painting or even cooking and baking is a way to get some of that out and you know this past winter my kitchen was torn up for a couple months while it was being renovated and I couldn't really bake and it was tough. So when my countertops went down, I was like, all right, where's my dough? I'm going to make some bread. I just had to like get into that mindset of just peacefully doing my thing in the kitchen without anything bothering me. How do you navigate or move through the, all of the different creative elements you spoke of? Because is it like your spirit catches you and say, I just feel like baking today? Or I just feel like painting today. Uh, how do you navigate those spaces and go in and out? Like, or do you have a schedule that you adhere to? Or is the creativity uh, expressive because you have no schedule? It is more that, I mean, I have always sung and there's always been singing in my life since I was like probably in fifth grade, fourth grade in that area. Mm -hmm. um, I sing with a competitive chorus. So we go out and compete um, a couple times a year. We are heading to um, Kentucky in November to compete on the international stage. Um, so that's a lot of schedule because we have to rehearse. We have coaches come in. It's very mm -hmm. physical and um, we have to learn dance moves and, and all of that. So in that respect, that's on a schedule and my singing doesn't just wander, although I do sing occasionally around the house. That's not that often, but baking and painting and writing poetry and all that, it comes and goes. I mean, like I hadn't written for a very long time. Um, and during COVID, my sister and I started writing on Zoom, like we'd give a set a timer and we'd pick a word and then we'd both write and we hadn't done that since we were little. We used to write in our bedroom when we were young and write stories and things. And so I started doing that with her and we'd schedule it. And then beyond that, I did write, believe it or not, in my finance career, I always interviewed people and gave them a writing test, but it was a creative writing test as part of their mm -hmm. interview. So um, those things come and go, but that's one of the reasons I retired early because I really was starting to feel super underappreciated at work to such an extent that I was feeling like the decades of having worked in that industry were worth nothing. I sure yes. I paid my mortgage and I know I, I, mean, yes. I can't say that, but, but for me at the end of my life to look back and say, I'd spent all those years trying to be in that career that wasn't fulfilling. Um, that was very depressing to me. And so I had to say that it was coming to an end and I had to set a date. And I tell people when they say, how did you do that? Or they're having struggles with their work or, you know, whatever it is. And most of the time it's career. 
set yourself a date. I mean, for me, I set a date that I would no longer be working and it wasn't practical when that date arrived. I had to keep going, but still knowing that there was a date in the future that I could say I'm done. It just gave me so much more hope for having that free time to do what I wanted when I wanted it. And, you know, if I have to go get a job to make some money to make ends meet, then I do. Um, it wasn't that early that I retired. I'm going to be 65 this fall. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, okay, then that's would be maybe when I would have retired. If the job had been different, maybe I would have continued, you know, but I had just gotten to a point where I wanted to take the time to explore all the different as aspects of my own creativity and find the ones that I wanted to pursue full time. And find the ones that you want to pursue. So you are designing your life. You are the master. Um, I like to say with God, I'm mm -hmm. a believer that is putting your life together in a, in a form or fashion. What I'm learning from you, though, Madeline, is the balance, all of the years of balance, because 30 year career. <laughs> right, in finance industry, that you did not let, um, you did not let that die. You kept it going. You nurtured it, you cultivated. Sure, it was on the side, but you held on to it. And so that is what we can do in our lives is where do we find a balance between the things we have to do for a living and the things that we love to do uh, that just feeds our spirit. I want to just close out this wonderful conversation with you. I want to ask you a few things. And that is, I want to give you a sentence and I want you to fill in the end. Okay. okay? And then the second time, I'm just going to give you a word. So fill in the end. I wish someone would have told me, fill in the blank. Um, I wish someone had told me to be true to myself, no matter how hard it gets. No matter how hard it gets. Here's a word I'm going to throw out. And what thought or idea pops up? The word is legacy. <laughs> That's a big one. And it. I think it's something that... So many people say they want to leave their footprint behind. And I think the way I've lived my life, I don't have children, but I do have nieces and nephews. I always wanted to be the aunt that they remember having fun with. Um, but also I have friends and people that I've just run across, even with doing this podcast, um, who see what I do and how I live and think I should do that. I should listen to my heart and make a change today to start listening more. And to me, that's a legacy that I would like to leave behind. Amen, amen. Madeline, how do people find you? Yes. Well, they can listen to my podcast. Yes, <laughs> is, tell us about your podcast. <laughs> it's it's actually called It's All Creative, and you can find it at itsallcreative.callcast.co, or it's also on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcast. Um, I also have a food blog, which is madtastes.com. So M-A-D-T-A-S-T-E-S.com. 
Um, and I'm singing with Sweet Adelines International. So the chorus that I sing with is Buffalo Gateway Chorus. If anybody's near Buffalo, New York, stop by and watch a rehearsal on a Wednesday night. Um, or if you're looking for a way to sing competitively, no matter your age, I think they take um, members from like 16 until we have members that are in their 90s. So um, you can just go on sweetadelines.com and, and look up the, the local chorus near you because they're all over the world. Okay, and give us that podcast one more time. It's all creative.callcast.co. So it's I T S A L L C R E A T I V E dot callcast.co. Dot callcast.co. Okay. So I want to thank you for being my guest today. I certainly appreciate just having this conversation. And this conversation is about changing our lives one day at a time. Imagine that. Take care, everyone. Thank you.